Amen. Didn't you like that? Isn't that wonderful on a Father's Day? Wow. How many appreciated the rain this afternoon? Amen. We probably won't get any more then. Not enough of us appreciated it. What were you, sunbathing or something that ruined your afternoon? Well, let me tell you, I was delighted to get the rain. We certainly needed it. Little things that destroy. How many has ever been knifed in the back, not literally by someone? Their words, their accusation. Wait till you turn your back and buddy just, somebody said that to me today. They said, you know what? I, uh, I was knifed in the back this week. Oh, is that right? It's never a pleasant experience. Do you know the most dangerous place in our lives happens to be our heart? The place of greatest peace should be in our heart, but the place of great danger often is found in our heart because if we're not careful, we will allow our heart to become infiltrated by things that just should not be there, but we give often permission to be there. This message will deal with the little things that often come into our lives that are bent on destruction, destroying you, doing something in some way to sidetrack you. With that little heart that's in your chest, we know that it beats about 70 times per minute, 100,000 times a day. And of course, that's 40 million times a year, and in one day it pumps 11,000 quarts of blood or 265 million quarts in an average lifetime. That one little vessel, that little organ inside your body. And yet we know that it is the place of spirituality, but it's the place where, if you're not careful, all of the deterrence to a positive Christian life will try to reside there. Biblically, it is the center of who we are spiritually. You see, it is the seed and the source of motives out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It is the source and the seed of our thoughts. It is the place of our passion. It is the place of lewishan or i.e. of which our choices come out of. You say, well, that comes out of the brain. No, out of the heart. Out of the heart is the seat that actually feeds the brain all the things that the brain chooses to cause the mouth to want to say. And here's what happens. Jeremiah, one of the great prophets in the Old Testament, he doesn't play any games with the heart. He declared in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. You cannot misunderstand that. It's deceitful and above all things beyond cure, who can understand it? No one can, except it become redeemed by the grace of Almighty God. Our story today is a very familiar story, one that we all know. All of you out there know the story of Saul and David. You remember Saul was the first anointed king of Israel. He was a quiet, bashful young man. He was a generous person, extremely insecure, and was a brave leader, but never was a good soldier. And David, on the other hand, was the youngest of Jesse's sons. He was handsome and tall, and the Bible said he was a man after God's own heart. And our text in these few minutes that we have together on this beautiful Father's Day evening will reveal the consequences 
of a heart gone bad and the beauty of a heart that remains faithful. I desire for my heart to remain faithful. How about you? Raise your hand. That's right. Sharon said, you know, you have them raise their hand. I said, Victory Church is a church of exercise. Amen? I don't often say, would you get on your feet? Now sit down. Get on your feet and sit down. The devil's tempted me, but I've not caved in yet. Jealousy. Do you know what that is? Jealousy, the thought. Here's what we find in 1 Samuel 18, verse 7, starting there. As they danced, they said, Saul slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain, refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, when that thought hit, from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The Song of Solomon says in the latter part of verse 6 of chapter 8, it says, it's jealousy, speaking of love, it's jealousy, unyielding as the grave. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Love, it can be used for positive or can be used for negative. Love gone bad is hatred. Love gone good, of course, brings peace and, and encouragement. Saul's first encounter with David, as we understand, was on the field of battle. His troops were fighting the Philistines. We know that David's brothers were there. Goliath came out just cursing at the men of Israel. And David boldly killed Goliath and presented his head to Saul and said, here you go. David began to build a relationship with Jonathan, Saul's son, and they became best friends. Saul took David into his house. And when the anointing of God is upon a person because their heart is a heart after God, they will receive favor even under bad circumstances, even under oppression, even under depression. God will give favor and signal that person out for the touch of God. David excelled in the midst of Saul's household greatly in every area he was assigned. Some assignments were nothing more than a challenge that Saul thought, but David still excelled. He had favor among the people because he was a hero and he was a lover of people. Friend, your heart, the life of who you are, your heart can be broken, your heart can be stomped on, your heart can be bloodied, your heart can be encouraged, your heart can be filled with good thoughts. Your heart can be filled with the joy of the Lord. Or your heart can be filled with deceit and anguish and lies. And you are the one that you get to choose by virtue of your spirit man. Your spirit man gets to determine what's going to be there. Well, Saul was listening to the ladies dancing around. Hey, Saul, you've killed thousands. But old David, boy, wow, look at David. David has killed tens of thousands. And in that moment, that spirit of jealousy came into Saul and he bit the hook, hook, line, and sinker with the bait on it. It was the right bait. And I'll tell you, it'll always be the right bait every single time he thought, what more can David get? You see, he didn't look at it as, wow, David came in the nick of time to help us out. 
David being a man of God and the Israelites and part of his family, he came, thank God, Jehovah, who sent David to help us out. That's not how he saw this situation. He thought, now he's going to want my kingdom. As I studied and prepared to this, I thought to myself and said out loud to Saul, it wasn't your kingdom to begin with. How can he take a kingdom that never belonged to you? And then I thought about this. All of us have absolutely nothing except the favor and the blessing of God in our lives. That's why he says, hold to the things of this world loosely in your your hand. If God should choose to take them, jealousy is a zeal that embraces envy which resents another but will not admit it. Envy, resentment, but we will not allow ourselves to admit that we are that way. It is like a cancer that quietly eats up a part of our innermost being. Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 30, it says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones heart that is peace so here's the big question is your heart at peace do you have audit anyone are you letting the enemy come in and steal a portion of your satisfaction has something that happened in the past that you just say it eats away at me the enemy i tell you will reside there as long as you get him give him room and unfortunately it will bring tears and anxiety to your life envy and jealousy will slay a simple man that's what job said and the manifestation of jealousy and envy often are that troubled heart a strained emotion and deep suspicion of fantasy mistaken for the truth now he wants my kingdom you know some people we think may harm us and we blame them and the reality is so many times they don't even know that they brought harm to us when your heart is divided with jealousy you just begin to point your finger and they may not even be aware that you're having the challenges that you are having oh but yes there are those that you absolutely know on purpose they intended to hurt you with everything that's within them imagination when that is in your heart imagination rules over positive thoughts And the body reacts physically to that imagination that rules negative thoughts. And the Scripture says that a response to that song caused Saul to get sick to his stomach when he heard what they were singing. And Satan will create an environment where jealousy and envy can strive and thrive in your life unless you call your heart to attention. And you say, create in me a pure heart, God. In other words, put it out there. What is in my life, in my heart? What has happened to me that I give myself permission to have these kind of feelings and emotions toward anyone? And the Bible says, hey, a pure heart, a loving heart. You see, here's the danger. Pride will not let you admit jealousy until you are already into the middle of step two and what i call step two is vengeance you're just waiting 
for the moment. Oh, the time will come. Well, the Bible says vengeance is what? Vengeance is what? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And if your heart is already working toward a vengeance, if it's already working toward and you've got a list of people that already in your heart of hearts you can't stand, already in your heart of hearts you have the battle line drawn. Here's what it says, 1 Samuel 18, 17, Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter, Merib. I will give her to you in marriage, only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. For Saul said to himself, I will not raise a hand against him. Let the Philistines do that. I don't want to take him on, but I know the Philistines hate him because he took out their lead warrior. So I'm just going to send you out. Oh yeah, put Saul out there on the front line or David on the front line. Send him out there. I won't have to do a thing. Here's what I know. They're going to get at him. Do you know what? The same blood that covers you covers other people. Amen? The same blood that brought you redemption brings other people redemption. You say, but what about them? And God always says, what about them? Lead them up to me. As long as you lead them up to me, I will deal appropriately for them and to them at an appropriate time. As long as you desire to deal with them, I will not deal with them. That's why things linger and linger and linger and linger and cause more anguish and more anxiety and more vengeance to build. Saul would hand David to the Philistines for death. So the text said, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And God allowed the jealousy and the vengeance to grow. He could have stopped Saul dead in his tracks. Saul gave in to the vengeful motive to harm David, and twice he threw a spear at David. Wow, wouldn't you like to sleep in his house? Know that he can throw a spear at you anytime he would so choose, or send a messenger to your room to endeavor to take you out. Hello. You see, once our heart is filled with vengeance, it becomes the motive of all thoughts. It literally captivates. And Saul's vengeance toward David captivated his life every single day. Something could trigger, something could move, and immediately it sent Saul out and off. Vengeance has several characteristics. I want to share those with you. Number one, it's a strong desire for personal justice. One day I'm going to get even with it. One day they are going to pay. Another, anger uncontrolled at times. Number three, thoughts of disassociation. Justified, of course, always justified. Plans of retaliation, buddy, we're building a case. A perception that you have permission spiritually to correct that wrong and once call them into account. Perception that your actions are acceptable to God under your circumstances and willingly admit you're spiritually immature in this situation. So God, I'm only human. I'm only human. So I'm just not going to grow up. Paul says, be not overcome. This is found in Romans 12, 21. Be not overcome with what? Evil. Don't be overcome with evil. He's saying, you give your heart permission to do evil. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.15, make sure that nobody pays back 
wrong for wrong, but always tries to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Always try to be kind to each other and everyone else. Saul's life, of course, we know, became consumed with jealousy and a desire for vengeance. And his heart had one motive, and it was all about David. And the Scripture declares that vengeance, we said it a moment ago, absolutely belongs to the Lord. You might look in your life and say, I've got business partners, former business partners, a former married partner. I've got, I've got situation, part of my family, this, that, and the other. And you give yourself permission to let that bill. Somebody wronged you. But listen, God says, a heart that is not pure is a heart that opens the door to whatever the devil will, in fact, sneak in there. Hatred. I hate you. I hate them. That is the deed. For Samuel 19, 11, Saul sent men to David's house to watch it and to kill him in the morning. But Michelle, David's wife, warned him, if you don't run for your life tonight, tomorrow, you're going to be killed. How many of you appreciate a discerning wife? May I see your hand? You better run, buddy. Tomorrow morning, they're going to kill you. The hate is a strong embrace of aversion. That is a strong embrace of aversion. Aversion leads eventually to murder. I'm not talking about murder taking somebody else's life. I'm talking about murder in your own life, destroying your heart. And we just cannot afford it in the culture in which we live. Someone said, I hate the other political party. I hate that person who's in Congress. I hate that person who's in the Senate. I hate that person, et cetera, et cetera. No Christian ought to ever verbalize those kind of sentiments to anyone against anything. The only thing we are to hate is a little three-letter word. You want to spell it? S-I-N. In sin. Sorry for some of you who didn't know that was the word. Saul hunted David. You got to feel his emotion, ramped up with hatred, hunted David like a dog. Saul committed thousands of soldiers. Think about it. With a picture of one person, it was David saying, Take him out killing anyone who had even got word that had assisted David, resenting his own son because he had a relationship with David. And he had those thoughts, and it rested in his mind constantly, never giving up. That's the power of vengeance, of resentment. The vengeance and envy found a place in his heart, and the motive was led by the Spirit of satanic opportunity. I love you, Lord, and I live my voice. God's saying, clean your heart out. Hallelujah, thine the glory. He's saying, clean your heart out. Father, Help us be obedient to that. 1 John 3, 15. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. 
And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. You got somebody you want to get even with? You got somebody that's in your spirit? Nobody's arguing the fact that you may have a justifiable right in the normal and natural to have a desire to get even or to let that sit in your heart. But can I tell you something God says? If you let it stay there, it'll lead to actions that once you do the action and live it out, you'll look back and say, I don't know how I ever came to do that. Many an individual has pulled the trigger on someone else and then lived to regret it. Many an individual has beaten someone else unmercifully and when arrested and apprehended and standing before a judge has, has regretted. Many individuals have been in those shoes. Saul did not desire to live if David was alive. So we know that Saul's in a, or David is in a cave with his men. What does God do? He just kind of tempts David a little. Saul came in to relieve himself. David, of course, cut his robe off and showed it to Saul. David had a pure heart. Saul wept as he saw now because David gave him grace. Saul was able to look at his own heart. And it looked as death was coming near that that jealousy and that vengeance and that envy and that bitterness and the desire to murder had controlled him until the man he wanted to kill had given him grace. But what did David do? David repented of even cutting the hem of his robe off. I should have never done that, he says. Well, what do you do when the door of jealousy, and vengeance, and all that is there? Let me just give you a quick rundown. Number one, we're told to guard our hearts. Amen? You guard your heart. You guard your heart. Two, you pray for the person or situation that you feel seem to wrong you. Three, you keep a good line of communication open with Jesus so that whenever it hits you, you go to your knees in prayer. You always exhibit the love of God, even when it's really difficult. You cleanse your heart daily with the Word of God, reading it and washing it over and over again. You share it with someone close to you, your spouse, and say, I struggle with this. Pray for me that God will help me eventually move beyond it. You humble yourself and practice that humility. You ask God for forgiveness every day. You give the benefit of the doubt. Sharon and I have been in ministry a long, long time. We learned early on, you're going to have to give people the benefit of the doubt. I told someone just this week, the higher level you are in responsibility and leadership, the more you're going to have to take pot shots from other people, the more you're going to be attacked, the more you're going to be talked about. And if you can't get out there and run in levels of leadership, that that takes place, you better step back and live a peaceful life. But understand the higher that you go, the more responsibility, the more accountable you are, you're going to be the target for somebody who just don't like you. And let me just tell you i settled this a long time ago everybody doesn't have to like me how many know what i mean i settled it everybody doesn't have to like me i'm okay with that 
I don't like it, but I'm okay with it because I realize that's just life. Here's what else I know. Nobody is big enough that's going to get in my heart and mess me up for a long period of time, but what I'm not going to be able to come to my senses and say, God, I'm dead wrong. I need guidance and correction in that. Correct me in Jesus' name. You see, we ask God for forgiveness. We give the benefit. Sharon and I give the benefit of the doubt. Here's another. I've said it a thousand times before. Always treat people like you always treated them before the offense occurred. You just keep loving them. I do little things like, God, they must have lost their mind for a few minutes. Or, God, they didn't really mean it when they walked up to me and said, you're about the stupidest, most asinine preacher I've ever heard in my life. It's because they have, they're delirious and don't know what they're talking about. What, what are you doing? You don't take that seriously. Hello? Hello? You take it serious. You know what you're going to do? The self is going to get involved, and you're going to want to jack somebody. And by the way, let me tell some of you, there is a big difference in thinking it than actually doing it as it relates to consequences. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Well, if you think it, you might as well do it. If that were the case, we'd all be in a whole lot of trouble. And thank God we might think it, but we tuck it away in the spiritual word in our lives and note your own spiritual shortcomings Mr. Spiritual Person, when did you become so perfect that you've never harmed or hurt anyone? All of us are guilty. Determine not to let it proceed to vengeance or hatred, that which is there. Because destruction of you starts out small but grows into a giant that cannot be tamed except through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Would you stand, Heavenly Father? Thanks for these moments together. We have heard the Word of God. We adhere to the Word of God. We ask you for divine forgiveness and help that we need. We know that sometimes it's difficult to control our thoughts and our emotions. Sometimes it's difficult for us to understand what we go through and why and how we go through it, I pray in the name of Jesus you would give us the guidance that only comes from the Holy Spirit. And Father, we'll give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name, while heads are bowed, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you, all of you, to repeat this prayer with me and all of you online to repeat it after me. Would you do that? Would you trust me and just repeat it? Here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I ask you for forgiveness. I desire a pure heart. Take all the thoughts in my mind, all the thoughts in my heart that are not pleasing to you and move them aside and destroy them by your grace. Lord Jesus, I am weak. But through you, I am strong. I ask you right now for those things in my heart and life that I don't often verbalize to put them under the blood. I will grow in the anointing of your precious Holy Spirit. 
Give me the strength to be a better follower than I have been in the past. So here I am. I submit my heart to you to live a godly life according to your will and word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Aren't we glad God showed up? Amen. Let's put your hands together. God showed up. Now listen, I can never preach messages like this without feeling as guilty as sin. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? I never want to purport to you that I'm, because I'm the preacher, I'm the perfect one. Not so. Not so. But by the grace of God, the person who learns the most often is the teacher. Did you know that? The person that learns the most often is the preacher. So you pray for me that I'll always be that positive influence that I can be. And I'm going to pray for you as I always do, the sheep here at Victory Church. Mark Rutland said one time, sheep bite. You know that? But so sometimes does your best friend. And if you're not careful, your little kid will bite you until you train them differently. But understand this, I want you to leave on this Father's Day. I want you to leave pure. I want you to leave whatever you need to leave in that prayer a moment ago and just leave it at the altar and say, God, I give it up. I trust you. So as we sing this song right before our benediction, if you need to slip into this altar and say, hey, I believe in prayer and I believe in the anointing and I want you to pray for me or you have someone in your heart the best person to pray for might be a person you consider an enemy that you pray for them. So we'll sing this song, we'll wait a moment, and then we'll give the benediction on this wonderful Father's Day afternoon. Here we go, let's sing together, shall we? Lord, I give you my heart, give you my Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for the abundance of your grace and your mercy. I thank you for your word. Your word, God, 
loving your word and paying attention and let it be a part of our lives. I pray in your holy name. Some people tonight that have been listening online or that are here or maybe listening in some other means of communication later, I pray you'd give them a miracle. I pray you would let them be strong enough to be able to lay aside those things that might, that might just trouble them and give them a freedom and give them a liberty. God, let them know that that moment is a moment of miracle. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you leave, why don't you just shake hands with someone that you don't know? You know, there's a whole host of people that are back there, and some here, some here, and some over there out in the dark. Let's just pray. Let's just have a few moments of fellowship. Amen. If you didn't get your popcorn, your drink, get it, this, uh, get it tonight. Okay, gentlemen, God bless. Oh